Welcome, everybody. Welcome to the Legendarium Podcast. This is our first episode on Joe Abercrombie's First Law Trilogy. Today, The Blade Itself, Part 1, which makes up about the first 40% of the book. So, if you are reading along with us, if this is your first time reading the book, that's all we're going to cover. I can't promise that my uh, my co-microphonists here won't, you know, accidentally say something from a couple chapters into part two, but we're not going to spoil anything from the end of the book or whatever. So, yeah. Uh, anyway, I am Craig Hanks, your host over there. He is Ryan. Hi, Ryan. Hello, everyone. And yes, he's the one that puts on weird, yep, like quasi not his own accents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Ken. I'm not sure I can remember anything that happened in part two of the book. And I read it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Ryan. Let that Ken, be a warning to you. Uh, Ryan and Ken and I are going to, like I said, go through part one of the blade itself. Uh, and we will have our own observations. We're also, we did get a few comments. Uh, you know, I, I gave people about a half hour's notice uh, on good, discord. Good. We did get a few comments. Why I'm, so much? I am. Uh, well, um, so that is what we will be discussing today. Characters, plot, <clears throat> uh, <laughs> characters, <laughs> characters, <laughs> and uh, Ken will have a recap for us. But before we get to all that, I do want to remind everybody to go to thelegendarium.com where you can find links to our various resources such as they are. Okay, the Discord link is there. Uh, the Patreon link is there. You can also find the audio for all of our past episodes grouped by different authors, different subjects. Uh, so you can find it all there grouped in that way. You can also subscribe on you know, iTunes or whatever it's called these days or Spotify and get everything in order. So that's fine. But if you're having trouble, you're like, hey, you know, I want to see all of their coverage on, you know, Brandon Sanderson or Tolkien or whatever. You can find all that grouped by subject on the site. Uh, all right. So how's that for housekeeping? That is clean. There you go. Now let's let's get into it. I, this is something that I've been feeling myself that there's too much throat clearing on the episode sometimes. So let's get to the freaking book. All right, the blade itself by Joe Abercrombie. Ken, you've got us a recap. Today. I do. I was excited about this book. People have been like, "You should read this book." So I read this book, and through the first eighteen chapters, you know what I can take from this book? You can never have too many knives. Yep, that's yep. about and all stairs I- suck. And stairs suck. That's about all I took. So you can never have too many knives, especially when you're a vicious barbarian of the North who's in the middle of an existential crisis, lost his family and friends, been exiled from his lands. Such is the case with Logan Ninefingers, who is still very much alive because he will let you know more than Blackpink announces that they're in your area. The world is in a state. Nobody gets that. Nobody. Nothing. Sorry, man. Listen to music, people. You're old. I know. They're they're young. Anyway. The world is in a state of near perpetual war. The barbarians in the north are under new management and the new king wants to annex the lands to the south. So the spirits that talk to nine fingers tell him to go and find the old wizard who's been hiding for years in a remote library because, of course, then there's this detestable fop who just wants to party and duel. And he's like the worst character ever. Oh, and uh, who who wants uh, he also wants to nail his best friend's sister. So there's that. There's also a greasy inquisitor who used to be a war hero on the fast track to greatness before years as a POW left him disfigured and crippled. He's got a couple of bruisers with questionable morals who are more than happy to disappear people like the backroomed card counter. Uh, stuff happens. I'm sure there are fights, orc like creatures. There's this giant tattooed guy and a witch, but basically part one is just a collection of bad people who do bad things or good people who do the wrong things or a bit of both stupid people doing stuff. I don't that's all that's that's Finish, it finishing strong on the yeah. recap there ken yeah you know you know why i finished like that because that's how chapter or how part one ends it's just like and we're done here it is it does it, it is uh, 18 chapters of expedition exposition <laughs> and setup that's all it, it is it at least sort ends of. on a well yeah it ends on an action beat it does there yeah. are actually a couple of really good action beats in this in the first 18 yeah so well yeah anyway in the uh, first part I but that's it. That's all I got. We should. Okay, so now with that, just so people remember, it, well, Ken, I don't know how great a job you did at reminding us what actually goes on in these chapters, but well. it was kind of funny. So, <laughs> so I accept. Thank you. <laughs> much like mission accomplished. Much like the book itself. Yeah, it's kind of funny. So, yeah, I'll, I'll keep reading. Um, yeah, close enough for me. Uh, all right, Ryan. Uh, well, okay. 
actually, let's let's start with me. I, I want to just kind of set up where everybody's at. Ken, you have already said, I read this book. Yes. So you have finished to the end and reread part one for this discussion. Yes. Ryan, you have read the book in its entirety twice. This is my second time through. I oh, okay. have read the entire First Law trilogy and it's the, the sequel trilogy. Uh, I've read all six books. So you're basically an Abercrombie super fan mega fan expert on all things yes exactly one time through is all i need that's perfect that's been my slogan for life and did did you <laughs> and here uh, you are twice through now yeah did, did you get through the whole first book again or just the first part i have i'm already into the second book on my second read through. <laughs> just calm down dude calm <laughs> he's down a, he's a go-getter he's the guy sitting at the front in the middle chair or middle desk in the front of the classroom who's like Teacher, you forgot the quiz. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly that's exactly. Teacher, right. you haven't assigned us any homework yet. <laughs> yes, because I'm gonna shine. I don't care what happens to you. I'm yeah. gonna shine. You yeah. and your wedgie are gonna shine. <laughs> Wait, what? Because the kids that get wedgies, then they're, they're never oh, get bullied. Okay, all right. I I thought you're. I was not. No. All right. No. <laughs> okay. Anyway, I so yes, I right. and just to complete the setup of where we're at, I have read part one. And that is it. Okay, that that is where I'm at. Uh, and to be clear, I do often, uh, I will either read the book or do a mix. You know, I'll do the whisper sync on mm -hmm. Kindle yeah. and uh, and Audible so that, you know, I can kind of flip back and forth. On this one, I did it on a long drive. So it was all audiobook for part one, um, just, just to set the table of where we're all at and what our experience has been. Okay, so with that in mind, Ryan, as the most experienced mm -hmm. and expert of Abercrombie fans among us, uh, how do you like part one of book one? And maybe I should set this up with one additional part to this question. How did you feel about it the first time through? And do you feel differently now? I do feel differently now. I felt very similar to the the sentiments that seem to be presented from our discussions and from the recap here. Uh, <laughs> there's nothing going on. Like, I, there's nothing grabbing me. Why am I? So whatever. Um, on the first time through, I just pushed through to to get to the end and and, and read the story. Uh, the second time through, I am enthralled with this book. I love, I love uh, what he's done and what he's setting up. Um, a lot of it is the just natural sense of I don't have to learn about who these characters are. I don't have yeah. to learn yeah. all those pieces. I can just focus on the larger story piece because this is. Uh, entirely possible I could be wrong on this but I f this is a storyline that I feel like he has the beginning and end in mind from the very beginning this isn't a discovery writing like he's got right. the whole thing laid out and so he's writing it to a point which then makes these uh, makes it so that he doesn't feel like he has to lock in uh, you know high action points or I got to finish this on a high note it's because it's this is just you know mile marker seven on a 40 mile trek so like that's that's kind of how it goes. So it's for me, it's a lot more enjoyable uh, on the second read through okay. than it was the first time. Well, good because that that mirrors what I'm going through right now, which is I'm bored to tears. Mm -hmm. Like I am, <laughs> I am bored. I the characters are interesting. There, it's not that there's nothing to appreciate or to like, and we'll get to a lot of the stuff that I that I do like actually. Um, but as I, I was I was about halfway through part one. And at some point, I was listening to, uh, what's it, was it Caval or what, what's the name of the kid who's studying fencing? Um, oh, um, oh, Giselle. Uh, Giselle, yeah. G Giselle, yeah, Giselle, well, whatever, whatever. Uh, well, I don't, whatever. I can't remember names. I, I don't even remember your names anymore. I <laughs> wrote it down and now I'm not looking at my paper The weird anymore. thing is, if you ever, when you actually open up the book, the spellings of all the names, at least for me, I was, I didn't get a, other than Logan, I didn't get a single name spelled right. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. true. Yeah. And so uh, this is one, honestly, okay, sidetrack. <laughs> what? The legendary? I'm doing a tangent. Uh, one of the reasons that, uh, that I don't like to just listen to the audiobook on the first time through is for this reason. You know, it's harder for me to retain names. It's harder for me to understand the spellings. There is, with a careful author, this matters more, but with a careful author who takes their names and cultures and languages seriously, um, you can often get a sense of the like the cohesive nature of this culture versus that culture through yeah. the spelling of the names and the places and the words Absolutely. and whatnot, right? So, so usually I do like to read um, for most of it, you know, the first time through. And this time wasn't a possibility. Anyway... 
I was reading through Giselle's uh, storyline and got the same, like, how do, how do I put this in words? He is an aimless fop, mm-hmm. with, you know, who has, like, he, he has talent, he has skill, but there's, but he has no direction. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And at some point I was like, oh, much like part one of this book. <laughs> <laughs> I was, so I, I don't know if that was intentional, but I certainly felt it at some point with, with his, him. Yeah, Giselle's main, his main storyline drive is fencing in the contest. And, uh, but, it, but it's not. That's the thing is in part one, it is not. Mm-hmm. He doesn't care. Right. Right? Yes. No, it's, it's uh, my father wants me to do well. Yes. I, I get all this stuff for doing well. Well, that I was, get to uh, party. That, that's one, one it. Of the, his MacGuffin. Yeah. It's not his. It's not his motivation, but it's the MacGuffin yeah. to drive him. Right, right. This is this is what he's doing, but it, he's not doing it for him. Not that, yet. That was one of the nice moments of the the book. One of my highlights was the conversation that Glockta comes and has with him, um, and I was expecting right. a long, kind of drawn out conversation, and Glockta's just right. like, "You're a dick," <laughs> and then walks away. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, if you actually try, you'll be good, but. That's it. Right. And that's yeah. And, and he doesn't like, and that's about all he does to try to convince him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is actually, I, I have to admit, I was a little affected by that conversation because in the last, um, I, I don't know, in the last couple of years, maybe uh, on a professional level, I have been kind of aimless and I haven't had a goal in mind, uh, but I know I have talents here and mm-hmm. there. Okay. Maybe not here, but maybe there. There. Uh, <laughs> I know I have talents. I know I could do things. And when he said something to the effect of a few months hard work and you could essentially set yourself up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, okay. I don't know if that's quite that way for me, but with a few months hard work, I could fill in the blank, yeah. you know, yeah. get a job, start it. Well, okay. Get a job, I could get a job, but <laughs> like start, start a business, build a brand, do, you know, do this, that, the other, like I have capabilities, but you know, I kind of, sometimes it's easy to just float. Yeah, and so, so that hit me a little bit. Giselle's life is good. And yeah. Like, so why, why would I want to change that? There's not necessarily an impetus to, to change because I want, I want better or anything, or I want to better myself because I'm perfectly content with what I have. And that's very much Giselle's mindset. The beginning is that, uh, one of the key elements of the social structure of this is this is a uh, hierarchy of status uh, that there's no meritocracy with the exception of Column West, who is the uh, the well, not the black sheep. He's the odd he's the odd one out in this sense where he has actually earned his way into being uh, more respected, even though he comes from the peasant class. Right. Uh, but, through his skill. Yeah, yeah he's the commoner skill. made good. Yeah, so. but in this case, it's all <laughs> he, he it's, outshone the others. And now here he is. Yeah, yeah, he's you know the first through the the first to, the, through the breach at Oriok and that sort of thing. Uh, and he compared to Giselle, and I think they're paired. They're very well paired specifically to kind of highlight this. Giselle is born into the essentially the aristocracy, the nobility, and he is you know the, his, the, he's the better because of this. Whereas yeah. Colum West is the character who earned his position by. Through through war and through being uh, through the work he's done, and he won the contest that Giselle is entering right. before. Right. So we've got these two characters. You kind of compare, go, you put them side by side and look at their their different starting points and their similar pathways, and you kind of get to the chance to balance out one character versus the other, and where they end up and where they're going and what and their personalities and why they're different. It, I I really like that pairing there. And then you throw a, his sister in the middle of it to make it right fun and awkward and and interesting where you have Adi, uh, who's, uh, this fem- this, this woman who, <laughs> this, this, this female, this woman, <laughs> this woman who just does not f- comport to any of the social expectations and cues. She's from the peasant class. She's a little bit of a lush and a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and she, and because she's so different, we get, this love starting to, or whatever you want or to call attraction it, attraction, attraction, attraction yes. and Adi, and you're like, okay, well, this isn't gonna work because of their status. Like, there's some this triangle alone, I think, has the potential to be a very, to be a good story, 
And that's just three, one set of relationships in a series where you have about, what is it, seven, seven point of view characters by the time we were out of this book? Six or seven, uh, it, something like that. Well, and, and even just in part well, one, there's yeah, just an in the section. Yeah. yeah. So actually, let's. Uh, well, I I do also want to throw into that mix. We so you said we have the pairing of of uh, Giselle Giselle and the other guy, Column West. Column West, West yeah. right? Uh, but then you can also throw Glockta into that mix because yes. Glockta won it like a decade earlier. Yes, and right. then went to war, got captured, got mutilated. He and, was on the fast track to be what Giselle right. is trying to be, and so a mm-hmm. uh, so there. You you have this illustration of um, you know work hard and you could have everything. There's the guy who worked hard and got everything, and then there's the guy who worked hard, got everything, and then had it all ripped away, yeah, mm-hmm. painfully and you know oh, yeah. <laughs> brutally, right? And then there's the guy who doesn't work hard and gets everything anyway, which is the, so you got the three, yeah, you got yeah, Giselle on that one anyway. Uh, well, no, G- Giselle's the guy who could work hard. Right. And, and yeah, he's, the, he's the one that's yeah. handed it. And when, I thought you were talking so about in, West in this, was the guy. In this society, so G- Giselle, I think it's important for me to remember that, yes, he's a, a noble, so he doesn't have to work to come up from the peasant class, but he's also, what, a third son or something? Um, yeah. Like he's, he's as yes. I understand oh, yeah, it, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not, he's, he's not yeah. in line to inherit anything. But his, it's, his dad likes him best and it pisses off his brothers. That's right. They <laughs> do mention, like that. They do mention that. So anyway, uh, that in, in this type of society, it, I think it's always important to remember what order you were born in. Yes. Yeah. That's going to matter. Um, anyway. Okay. So what else was, it? oh shoot. I, was I think say something this else. is, uh, well, if you think of it, you can, remember. yeah, go for it. Um, just on a side note, uh, Stephen Pacey is the, a narrator for the audiobook and the audiobook in my opinion is a masterclass it's incredible oh it his so, so his good. characters are great sandan glockta's character when he reads like i love i i hated glockta on my first read through because he's a greasy slime ball he's like oh you're a bad person who had like everything yeah but yeah. now as i listen through i love the glockta chapters and listening to the thought processes that Joe Abercrombie writes out for him, because he always gives the the subtextual thought that mm-hmm. Rock actually is thinking, and then the line that he actually right. says. Right, and it that's the a lot of the comedy in the book, the the humor that's found in those observations between right. uh, characters' thoughts and their actual words. Um, but the, the conversation the, when the guy asks him to go talk to Giselle, uh-huh. uh, and his internal monologue is like, "Yeah, you wouldn't ask me for this, you know." Five years, you you didn't even acknowledge I exist, and now you need me. You m- yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, I I think Glockta's uh, internal monologues are some of the best. Uh, Logan has some good ones, but they're also Joe Abercrombie does a great job writing the personalities of these characters in those inner monologues and creating distinct characterization in those uh, inner monologue discussions. Yeah, um, that's that's I think one of the strong points of the book of of this series and this book is. Uh, when you are in a point of view character, you get to, and you're inside their mind, it is a very distinct uh, voice. It should for, be. For those. Yeah. <laughs> it is not always. It okay. should be. Yeah. And that's I'm something. Saying, in the hands of a capable author, it is. Yeah. Yes. It's something yes. that Joe Abercrombie does a cut above, though, I think. Well, so and far. it's, and I will so say, because uh, to your point, Ryan, the audiobook is very, very well performed. Mm-hmm. It's something that a good narrator can help with quite that a is bit. True. Uh, um, absolutely because you know it's much like watching a visual representation it gives you something uh outside of your own imagination to latch on to another reason why great as the audiobook may be and it is so far um i i don't often like to start with the audiobook mm-hmm. because i you know i want to form my own images and whatnot yeah but yeah again wasn't possible this time um i will say i actually i did read the first two chapters or three chapters like a year or two ago when mm-hmm. we first promised and to, to read this series and then promptly broke that promise uh, <laughs> yeah. but I, I did read the first couple chapters hey and, we're here now and i do remember reading that first clock to chapter with the the first torture scene and mm-hmm. uh, it was messed up oh <laughs> and, and he's got that's a good more, way to put it he's got some more messed up but that's this was my first book uh that is and i feel like it's a book that a lot of people use as the definition of a grimdark mm-hmm. yeah like this is when you think of grimdark you think of joe abercrombie and i don't know i haven't read enough grimdark right. to be that way this was my my first real uh, book series that fit that way and 
I think part of my initial response to the book series was the fact that I don't generally, I don't really care for grimdark, I think. You know, that that bad things happening to good people, so that, yeah, it's part of every book, but I guess there, or there, there is no good guys. There is no good right. guys. It's just there the, is the no morally good. gray of ev- everything is morally gray and everybody, and then I say, I don't like this. I want a good guy. I want a bad guy. Yeah. But man, I, like I said, I, I have different around. feelings. I have different feelings coming yeah. around. I'm definitely coming around on this. There are still some gore moments that I'm like, I'm a little concerned that you came up with that, Joe, in your own mind. (laughs) (laughs) There's always that concern. Should we do some listener questions? We'll see how far we can get through listener questions. And then uh, if we have any time left over, we'll we'll get to our other observations. But the thing about listener questions is it often brings our own stuff out anyway. The stuff we would have bullet pointed or did bullet point. Um, All right. So... Again, I asked this about an hour ago, uh, so we'll see what people came up with. <laughs> so Toromir says, seen any tropes lately? Been engaged in subversive activities? <laughs> uh, okay. Chesky asks, I, ha- I have to ask, do you like the crew so far? And who do you think is the best character? Now, the crew, I assume, is uh, Logan's crew that, like in the in the prologue in the first chapter, he's separated from? Is that yeah, who we're talking about? Yeah, Red Three about? Trees. Right. The, the, the Dog Man. Dog Man and... Black Dow. Oh, yeah. Black Dow. And The Weakest. And there's five of them. Oh, yeah. Right. I like that anyway, the Weakest. Anyway, uh, but I do want to point out that at this point, at the end of part one, we have had precisely one scene with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was so, a good scene. I'm not but. saying that... Yeah, that's... So it's uh, at this point, I would say an invalid question uh, because we've only had one scene with them and it's through Dogman's POV. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I, I just, I, I haven't had enough time to formulate a favorite. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Not, not that it's a, it's not a bad question eventually. <laughs> it's just, it's not going to, yeah, it's not going to help us right now. Yeah. There's, there is a, as if they're just, I don't. They might be talking about an, another crew set of yeah, people, but we haven't. Could, like, he point. could just be talking about the crew, as in the characters we All have the so far. And if if that's the case, the characters we have so far, I think from a character perspective, I we might be all in agreement here. That I really like Glockta as a character so far. Just given my very nature, I mean, I would be set up to instinctively like Logan. Which, yeah, and he's mm-hmm. fine, uh, but he hasn't. I don't know. He hasn't really done much yet other than talk about how he's still alive and talk to some spirits. I mean, you know, I, I do. So although Ken, he does have some introspection that's really good. Sorry, you've go made fun of the line a couple of times. I'm still alive. Yeah. Right. I I like it. I, I like I like the line. I'm just I like it's that just he funny has me, but. like it. It's a it's an incredibly simple mantra. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a it's kind of this way to remind himself that I I made it out. Yeah. If I ever can't say that to myself, I know I'm dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> no, so. I, I like the line. I think it's neat. I just it's funny to me. He just keeps saying, I'm still alive. Yeah. All right. Uh well actually Yeti Beats asked us to talk about Glockta, the idea of a torturer is a, a main POV character. He's a catalyst for Abercrombie's humor. Do we find him sympathetic? I feel like we've kind of gone through that a little bit. And a little bit, yeah. We'll yeah. probably talk about Glockta again. Um, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk about Glockta again. <laughs> so uh, so let's go to... We should table that. Yeah, we should definitely table that one. Nano Tyran, who asks, uh, do you think... Or did you think this book had a plot? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, okay. This is this is great. Uh, I think this is a good springboard to talk about something that I think we are getting much better at as a podcast group. Oh, and that is expectations, right? So the most famous legendarium example of this has to be Robin Hobb. Right? Yeah. We go into Assassin's Apprentice and just hate that crap out of that book yeah everybody hated it oh man this is terrible kyle poor thing broke kyle, kyle yeah exactly broke kyle he'll he still isn't over it he still hates that book i i have gotten over it but the lesson that we took from hating assassin's apprentice was we went into it expecting what we didn't get right a book yeah. about assassins a book about assassinations something happening you know yeah. <laughs> like um and because our expectations weren't met, you know, we thought it was not good. And of course it is good. It's just good in its own way, right? Yeah. And so 
if I if I read this book at the same time that we read Assassin's Apprentice, I would probably hate this book mm-hmm. because I go in expecting, you know, I see this blood spattered cover and hear grimdark and violence and, you know, just insanity. And, and my my one of my main POVs is a torturer. And so I go into it expecting these things and it's 17 chapters of conversations mm-hmm. basically yeah. right I, okay that's an exaggeration but you know what i mean um i would have hated it but at this point between that and, and there have been some others along the way recently we did the author's shelf uh with uh, uh mary robinette kowal mm-hmm. uh about the dispossessed yeah. uh and how you know going into that book i i i essentially wiped out any expectations because i don't know anything about the book so i'm not going to pretend in my mind like i know anything about it and so, you know, we get this practice along the way. And so now, um, Nano Tyron says, did you think this book had a plot? I didn't assume. <laughs> <laughs> I learned not to assume. But it does bring up, a. I think it brings up an interesting idea of should you, and everybody's going to be different, right? This is a subjective thing. But should you go into a book knowing something about it? You know, like is, if you go to a movie, should you watch the trailer first? Uh, or should you just go in completely fresh, right? So mm-hmm. with a book, should you have something to set your expectations, of, you know, of, of what you're going to come across in that book? Yeah. It's an interesting question. And again, it's subjective. I think everybody's going to have to answer it for yourself. But Ryan, what do you think? Well, I think that there is a, I think it's more realization of what are you going to go in with, not should you go in with that as, mm. because I don't think, that you are very likely to enter in with absolutely no expectations whatsoever, just naturally. Right. Someone's going to have recommended this book to you. You're going to have loved the art on the cover. You're going to, something will have caught your attention and established some piece for you. The, right. the, the most important thing for you as the readers to identify what that is. What is it? I'm doing this off the recommendation of this person that I trust or off of the art or the cover here. And so that is all I'm going to carry in this and I got to take the weight of everything else off of it. Right, and that's that's how that's a secret to enjoyment of something of and experiment you know experiencing something new and allowing because you don't have to hold it against the uh, judge it against what it is not just right. judge it against what it is, um, and that's <laughs> I just uh, side note you're ready for this a complete an utter tangent I just read a little uh, excerpt from somebody's review of the uh u.s world war ii museum mm-hmm. and they, they and they talked about oh man if you go in here you're just you're expecting or if, if you went to this museum you would come out with only one perspective on the war and, you know and like where's a, <laughs> oh my goodness like it's like these people think the war started in 1941 <laughs> it's like it's, what were your what? expectations going into this into yeah. the u.s world war ii museum like you know anyway i really wanted an even-handed opportunity <laughs> for to hear understand you know what, but right. I, the, the point i was getting at the, that you reminded me of is this idea of of um sometimes our reviews whether you know we're doing an official review on a podcast or you do your little review in your head we review it as the book we wish it were mm-hmm. rather than the book it is right so yeah. anyway sorry go on i interrupted you i'm sure your train of thought has long since left the station but no, just on that point, your your point of should you have expectations? I think it's like I said, it's more about knowing what your expectations are and balancing that out versus trying to decide like find or remove all expectations. I think that's a reasonable ask. Quite mm-hmm. frankly, mm-hmm. it's just knowing yourself well enough to know what that is, what those expectations are, and that that will free you up to be able to make judgments instead of. Um, it's, I know different people have different feelings on this, but I get really frustrated with how objective everyone tries to be with uh, reviewing. A heavily subjective art form, sure, in books and movies and everything else. Oh, Sorry, it's an objectively man. yeah. Well, it's an objectively bad film. You can like it, but you have to just admit that it's objectively bad. No, I don't. Yeah, no, exactly. no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't. No, I think um, you're right there. I can but, admit whether I hate it or not, or whether I love it. You may not. That's fine. Whatever. Just balance out but, the idea of I don't like versus it's bad, and that that comes from understanding yourself and your own expectations going in. Right. Right. Yeah. For yeah. me, it's just the the. Uh, Ability to let the book wear you down, kind of like a relationship. Let the person wear you down. Because... Ken, I, I feel I like would, we need to talk about uh, how you <laughs> view relationships. This is how I got married. All right, hang no. on. Let's, yeah. Like, let's, Ken, let's, lie down on the couch. All right, so... <laughs> Wait, 
Tell Why me, is Ryan lying down? No. <laughs> tell me more about how you view relationships. Would you does does the word shackle come to mind for you? <laughs> Only yeah, never don't mind. Do it, don't no, do it. no, never never mind. <laughs> Hard never left, mind. Ken. Steer left. Steer far. <laughs> get away. How do I get out of this? Don't uh, say hard, Ryan. Uh, anyway. Where were we? I don't know. Okay, so anyway, it's for me, it, I, we've talked about this before, what we were talking about right before, that I need about 100 pages to really figure out what the crap is going on when I'm into a new book. So I, Depending I picked on this the up, book. Yeah. But we, as epic fantasy readers, this is common for us, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of them do have a lot of setup before you really get the feel of what is going on. And so with this one too, I tried to pick it up back when people said we should read it. I tried to pick it up and I read the first chapter. And I was like, oh, I got other stuff I got to get to. I'll get back to this later. And so now that I have to read it, I'm like, okay, I'll slog through this. And by the time we get to part two, I'm like, all right, now I see who is who. And I understand who's connected to who. And I understand where we're at. So by the time I got back to reading uh, part one again, now I'm invested. Part the first time around, I'm like, I don't understand what's going on. I didn't even understand what flatheads were at first. I'm like, I still don't know what that no. the shanka and the flathead. yeah the shanka and the flatheads. And I'm the, like, what? And then by the time I come around a second time, I realize, oh, the shanka are those orc like things, and they are sometimes called flatheads derogatorily and or derogatorily. And now the I understand. Of, they're the equivalents of in most fantasy, they'd be goblins, yeah. right? That sort of yeah. thing. Okay. So, but but that's the that's for me anyway is yeah. what yeah. i need i need to push through that and like I, it, it is a matter of uh, uh, getting rid of expectation and just sinking into the well, into the setting that's actually something that i've as i've helped other people into cosmere related things um and they start reading way of kings or whatever i i know from multiple read throughs of that like the first nine chapters or so of that book you are introduced to like nine different points of view and some of them you never come back to and so actually one of the things i will do for people when they when we start that is say here are your anchor points here are the characters you need to latch on to so you have a place to go and i actually think that would be helpful for a lot of people coming into first law saying like okay yes you're going to get a chapter about dogman and uh, all these other uh you know these other guys here that's good. Keep it in the back of your mind. Don't hold on to them. You don't need to worry about them too much quite yet. Right. Uh, Logan, so, Giselle, Glockta. Logan, Giselle, yeah. and Glockta are your three to grab onto and focus on. Um, you have a character that's going to feel like a point of view character, or that's going to feel like a main character, but they're never a point of view character in the book, at least as far as I recall on this one here. And that's Baez, yeah. uh, the first of the Magi. He's this... He's, oh, right. Yeah, you're, he's, he's an your, important character. He's a central Very, figure, but he's not. Yeah, he's never a POV character. Even, I don't mm, think. Yeah. So you'll want to you'll want to track. You'll want to be aware of Baez. You want to be aware of Logan. But Logan's your point of view for him usually, uh, pretty much the whole time. Um, yeah, Logan, Glockta, Giselle will be your anchor points. Grab onto them and hold onto those for your first read through. And then as you go through, you'll figure out all the other little pieces. Like, oh yeah, the uh, the Archlector Sulk. What you know? Do I do I care about him? Do I care about the Prince? whatever his bucket is and yeah. obviously i don't yeah but it's it's a, a specific and interesting way to structure a story that i think is becoming more uh well it's becoming more widespread uh, mm -hmm. but it's running up against audiences who have never had to deal with it and i'm thinking specifically of tv mm -hmm. uh, in the age of prestige TV series uh, and now you know so we're recording this in late 2022 we have the rings of power and house of the dragon but you can go back and you can talk about uh, about game of thrones for you know for example yeah. whatever um uh, i i think of um of video games sometimes those are a little different because you usually you are the pov character yeah. right but yeah. this idea that look the first hundred pages the you know the first 20 25 40 50 percent of this book is going to be setting you up for the roller coaster to come mm -hmm. we're just cranking to the top of the ride for a long 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 time and you'll you'll be rewarded but it takes a long time to get up there um that is epic fantasy <laughs> like a uh, that, that is a yeah, exactly yeah. a key ingredient to epic fantasy is that cranking to the top of the roller coaster um, and it's not something that has been 
otherwise widespread. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, anyway, so other people are, are now getting a taste of that with their favorite TV shows and with some video games and whatnot. And, um, and interesting how their reactions have been uh, to, to something we go through as readers a lot. Yeah, I think that's something that as, as epic fantasy readers, we, we are accustomed to. Um, the other thing is it is something that is, it's tough at first, but time makes it so much better for you as a reader because once you finish things and you go back to the reread uh, on a reread or uh, I would just think about any, any of those fantasy series or anything like that, that you felt like it's a slow burn. Something right. Like that when it's all finished and you go back and watch the whole thing, you're like, wow, that was fantastic because of everything that was there. You know, some people really enjoy maybe in the slow burn. I do not. Uh, that's not really me, which is surprising how considering how much I love epic, epic fantasy. But the payoff at the end and seeing all that, all the, the, the setup and everything is very, very enjoyable after the fact. This is mm-hmm. one of those waiting till the whole season's out <laughs> right. type things. Mm-hmm. That's, you know. With epic fantasy, maybe you don't want to start a book series like this if it's not finished, if you're one of those people who hates slow burn. Right. Starts. I've heard a lot of people say that they don't like to do that. It's, Megan is one of them. She's like, I don't want to read any more Dresden because it's not done. Like, I get yeah. that. But, yeah. Well, I think we've answered Nano Tyron's question. Mm. And then some four or five questions <laughs> around <laughs> exactly. the one. Exactly. All right. So <laughs> now uh, Kiptan, Kiptan says, <laughs> how has this book changed your opinion on stairs? so actually i love this i love this question because it does get to something that abercrombie does really well uh and that a lot of good authors do really well um and that is to make you reconsider something that you take for granted Mm -hmm. okay um and so in this case it stares um you know we, we talked about it with the fifth season um where i I thought it was fascinating in the fifth season to, and don't worry, I'm not spoiling anything. It was fascinating to have my main character be uh, like, I'm, I am inside the head in first person inside the head of a, like a middle-aged black woman, mm-hmm. you know, that, like that, that's, it's different for me. And it provides opportunities to stretch my mind and, you yeah. know, right. Yeah. And so this is, uh, it, it's funny. It's a funny scene. And so it's funny writing in a way uh, but I actually found it more um, affecting than funny yeah. uh, because yeah. it's like, oh, yeah, you know what? Sta- it, like, I've fallen downstairs. Freaking sucks. Yeah. I, broke, I, I just about broke my left pinky toe off falling down the stairs. Um, like, it, so anyway, so yeah, you have these experiences, maybe. Um, and that kind of oh, yeah. cast my mind back to that. Like, yeah, falling down it, the stairs. Terrible idea. It was something that it starts out as funny until you realize that, you know, it's, it's somebody's reality. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's a reality, reality. And you're like, oh, and now all something, it's a, it's something sympathetic. As a guy who is uh, rapidly advancing in age. I'll say. And, <laughs> no kidding. And who has uh, beaten his body to pieces in the gym over the last decade plus and who. who uh, trying desperately to reverse the desperately the to hold of on. Time. Exactly. Hold on to the faded youth. Exactly. And, <laughs> and doing all the Spartans and all that. I found a lot more sympathy <laughs> for his aversion to stairs than I might have when I was 35 as yeah. he, or, you know, or 40 or whatever. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I got to go downstairs again. And it's just a matter of simply waking up in the morning going stairs. <laughs> I love that, that like you said, it's kind of funny, but the writing in there is it. It's so, it's really good. The quoting where he talks about uh, my worst enemy the stairs if i could change or if i could have you know and going down is worse than going up because you can fall a lot farther and yeah stuff, he stuff talks like about that. and he talks about if i could shake the uh, one man in history's hands it's the man who invented the chair the chair <laughs> if i could you know if i could torture one man or whatever it's the man who invented stairs like that <laughs> just the the writing on it is because it's not just oh i hurt when i walk upstairs he does it through he does a really great job of showing rather than telling yeah. of glockta's hatred of stairs by explaining it through this really side side uh sidewall is not the right word <laughs> my brain's shutting down um an inner hang, hang in there it's only 11 30 in the morning yeah but it, he does it just through this little alternate writing little style inner monologue thing and yeah um i i love it i think it's fantastic and i'm much more appreciative of it this time uh than than i was on first read 
Uh, all right, so let's move on to another one. Let's see. Oh, here's... Oh, okay, so sometimes I just ask for favorite lines. I think we got one here from Yeti Beats in the chapter Tea and Vengeance. Uh, when uh, I think this is the final chapter of the of part one when he slays uh, Black Toe. Black Toe. Black yeah. Toe. Um, is that who he's talking about? Logan says, that was a good man, better than me. And oh, Baez yeah. responds, history is littered with dead good men. Yes, that <laughs> so is that's a, a great line. 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 Well, the, the line right before when he kills him too and Black Toe says... I'm glad it's you. And Logan says, I'm not. And then does it anyway. I'm, yeah. I like that but line a lot. Yeti Beats goes on and says, uh, Abercrombie is both criticized and applauded for the cynicism in his books. How do you feel about it? Even if you feel it's, uh, or even if you, if you even feel it's there in his book at all. I can read. I know words. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how do yeah, we yeah. feel about the cynicism if we feel like it's there at all? Uh, so far, Far, I'm not like overwhelmed by some sense of cynicism it's, so far. It's not this. I don't think the cynicism is the overall tone of the book. I think you have characters who survive through cynicism. Glockta survives a bit through, uh, through his cynicism and yeah. uh, all the characters at some level have are in a survival mode at varying degrees. Um, and that is actually a very interesting thing to look to look at, and which I think we should revisit later on. Um, their degrees of trust and versus cynicism and things like that through the whole piece. I don't think it's an. I 100% see why you, people might feel that the, that it's a cynical book, but it's. I don't think that's the overarching tone or theme. Right. On my first read through, I likened it to Game of Thrones, but with optimism. Or, but more upbeat, I guess, is is the way I put it. Hmm. it. In game of in Song of Ice and Fire, everything seems dark and cynical and and down, and there's no and, and it just keeps going. But this, it feels like everybody's kind of cynical, but everybody's kind of upbeat about it at the same time. <laughs> well, if you look at you know what I mean, life sucks, but but I'm not mad about it. Yeah. Uh, life sucks, but it's life. I'm cool. I mean, you know, we're just gonna keep going. Whereas, like I said, the other one, it just feels like everybody is just down all the time. Well, I think so. you can it. You have to look at it through each individual character's take and view on on, on the world because there really aren't a lot of events specifically to events, to boy events. But you look at like for example Logan. Logan, based on everything we know about him so far, that's been said about Logan Nine Fingers and how he was just this feared, you know, ferocious killer in the north, and that he defeated all of these named men and uh, you know, but his whole thing like the even the line we've talked about the i'm still alive just his he's got that little sense of i'm trying to be better than i was yeah he just seems tired oh absolutely worn out exhausted uh but he's trying to better himself you get this sense of i'm i'm supposed to like logan because logan's my good guy logan is the guy who he did terrible things in the past but is being better yeah now but now he's making he's trying to make up for him well that's why that's why we um the bias chapters are pretty good because i i <laughs> i should say i don't know yet how i f- will feel about baez mm-hmm. but through logan's eyes here's somebody who it, you know is wise and quippy and down to earth and relatable in his wisdom right yeah and he can so he seems to see baez as somebody who can kind of lift him out of his life path right yeah. and set him on a different one um, I, now again, I don't know how I'm going to feel about him because, as we alluded to earlier, Baez feels like a, a big, major main character, but we see him through Logan's eyes, mm-hmm. and that often makes a character untrustworthy to me mm-hmm. uh, because I don't know what's going on behind his quips and his wisdom and whatnot, and, yeah. and what his ultimate goals are. So we'll see, and I'm sure there's a bunch of people either you know cheering or rolling their eyes at me saying that about him but uh, someone's throwing out a wait till book three yeah exactly that is something <laughs> i wish i'd marked it but he has that whole monologue with uh what's the apprentice's name um oh the guy he has to carry yeah for he 40 has to miles. carry for solemn solemn quiet quiet yeah, yeah quiet that's Kwai. it and uh, has that whole line about all these things that he's done and all these things that he said and all of these things that he, he didn't feel bad about but now he does and everything and i think um, I almost feel like he's supposed to be, I don't, I, you know, I'm not a very deep thinker on 
stuff anyway. Now you stop that, Ken. You stop You're, right there. I, I'm I'm man enough to admit when I am, <laughs> when I am what I am. But this I, I feel like is supposed to be the moment that everybody does the same thing as they're reading the book, going, "Well, yeah, I've done things that, but I'm always trying to be better." And you know. Yeah, and, and you're basically relate. taking your reflection of yourself and and how can you improve and all that and I I don't know if that's supposed to be what the reader is thinking but I certainly went oh yeah well, well you know I, it's getting to the stairs comment I was making earlier that uh, that the purpose of any any book like this well or at least it can be a purpose <laughs> okay maybe not with some um, but one of your purposes can be to try to empathize you know to yeah. to be more sympathetic with people around you in real life not just in books uh but take it into your real life and say like you know what I, stairs are easy for me bring yeah. on the stairs but that's not going to be the case for everybody and you never know like somebody who is walking up the stairs might be doing so at, you know in great pain yeah. um anyway it's you know little things like that but it can be for bigger ones as well anyway, sorry Truth. Did I derail you, Ken? Nope, that was about it. Okay, all right. I, I think that um, this, I, this is, there's a theme here that's not part of the book. It's part of what authors do to readers that I think is interesting. Identifying when an author is maneuvering his audience. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is actually, in this case, Joe Abercrombie wants you to feel and think a specific way about a character. And he's maneuvering you through these situations and writing these specifically in a perspective in a certain way so that you feel a specific way about a character. Not all authors do that. It's and not and not with every character and things like that, but I think that there is absolutely a I need my audience to feel this way about these characters because otherwise they're not going to connect with them at all. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a theme that this series, being Grimdark, deserves to have a fleshed out a little bit that we should look at and be like are we being manipulated by the author to feel a specific way right. about this character and yeah. are you okay with that do you are do you have a preference over you know that idea of okay the author is maneuvering me and maneuvering these characters versus um a maybe a more organic feeling thing now obviously it's all maneuvered right they they're all yes. written yeah. and, you know, it's all fictional whatever uh but but some books come across the way you're talking about and some books come across as no they they created these characters and they created a situation and kind of this is what happened that more organic feel yeah and you get it and you get to kind of connect with it however you want there right um i think that be consistent with it mm -hmm. if you're gonna do it then it needs to be a consistent thing um and purposefully driven if you just really like a character and so you want to make sure that the audience also likes the character that's not a good reason not a good setup to do that but um, I don't have a problem with an author trying to drive an audience into a specific feeling and, and thought process as long as that is, I said, consistent across the board. Um, I think you will do yourself a disservice if you do, if it gets too heavy or too much, because yeah. that's mm -hmm. when it's, that's when it gets into the idea of, you know, we're talking about characters, but it, like if you're, if you want to make a statement with a book, we've talked about this before, like if you're making a political statement or mm -hmm. a social statement or whatever it is with a book, make your statement but make sure it's clear and definitive that that's what it is. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think it's, I guess I'm just saying commit. If you're going to do it, commit and make sure that that's the, that that's the case. So the audience is very clear. Yeah. They know yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you to, I want you to feel this way versus feeling like, Oh, you, you manipulated me into liking yeah. this character. And then in the end, uh, you know, whatever. Mostly I don't mind being steered one direction or another. Just don't let me know you're doing it or at least don't, don't uh, overly let me know you're doing it. You know, mm -hmm. like have a little subtlety. Yeah, basically. That's fair like, you can direct that's me. That's enough. fine. But don't bludgeon me over the head with you will like this character. Yeah. yeah. All right. Know. Fair enough. Um, cool. Uh, there there are some calls for us to compare uh, Abercrombie and Hobb. We've done that a little bit. Um, but uh, for instance, time. Cody says Abercrombie and Hobb are renowned for their character building and prose often yeah. lumped together as paragons in these aspects of writing. Do you agree? Um, and Stormrunner1730 says, uh, Gene Wolfe has entered the chat. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. I haven't read any Gene Wolfe, at either. least not more than a few pages. Um, so I so can't speak to that. It's one, And for those of you now yelling at your you know, headphones, uh, calm down. We'll get to Gene Wolfe. 
<laughs> if we don't, then I don't think Drew McCaffrey on inking it loud out loud will be my friend anymore. So we'll get there. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, comparisons to Robin Hobb. I only read the first Robin Hobb book and I hated it. So, well, <laughs> I couldn't, I couldn't keep up with you guys after that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I, I think in order to have a fair comparison, I would need to get back in yes, and reread. I Robin would have Hobb to as well. That's, that. that's my thing too. Um, that being said, the focus, the, it being more about the, the discussions in the mind, the character building, things like that. I do see the parallels there. I think it's, it's good. Um, I know they're friends. If I compared another author's work to his, I would have. I would lean to Brent Weeks. Brent Weeks, yeah. They have a they have a fun internet rivalry going on. A fake internet rival rivalry. I can, again. I know words. Yeah. English is easy for me. It's yeah. fine. This is why yeah. we usually record at eleven o'clock during the day. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird how much more comfortable we are at eleven o'clock at night, right? Yeah. Than we are at eleven o'clock in the morning. Uh, <laughs> Legendarium but. after dark. Uh, yeah, I, I'm with you, Ryan. I would need to read Robin Hobb again. I read that first trilogy one time and that was it. And that was a few years ago. So it's not like I have, you know, lines from the books sticking out yeah. of my head. Like I, I, I don't remember all that, that stuff that clearly. So. I should have meant just in case she's listening. I did not hate it. <laughs> Ken, calm down. I, you know what? I don't, well, I don't. I'm going to go out on a limb, Ken, and I'm going to guess you saying I didn't like Robin Hobb's first book is not going to break her spirit. That's, and, that, and that's the thing. I just I don't want her to feel like I'm just. I don't want to disrespect somebody's know. good work. Okay, but it be did the not. Straw that the camel's back. She'll it did never not write engage again. me. She'll yeah, never exactly. talk to me again. We're going to pull all her books from production. Wait, that's right, Ken. We're trying to get her on for author shelf, and I you're know. ruining it. This is why I'm apologizing right now, Robin. Please come on. <laughs> Uh, I'll give it a second chance, though. No, it's, I, I, I fully intend to go back and read the Farseer trilogy again. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, maybe after having read this trilogy, it will be, some of these comparisons will make more sense to me. It makes sense now. Yeah. You know, yes, it's character-focused it, rather than event-focused. Um, it is introspective rather than extrospective. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying to think. Of, I guess sure. so. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, and and the pros, uh, you don't have a scene like Glockta on the stairs uh, from somebody who is not good at prose style. Yeah. Um. As so. Yeah. There you go. Yes. Uh, so when when Cody says character building in prose, paragons and these aspects of writing, sure. So far, so good. I'm with you there. Uh. All right, guys. Should we let's let's wrap it up. Um, I would ask you for predictions, but screw you guys, you're way ahead of me on these <laughs> books. So um, my prediction, I that's the thing, I don't have any predictions because so far there isn't really any plot to predict. It's just characters kind of roaming around, um, there's, thinking about stuff. There's loose things out down the road that you know there are Chekhov's guns that are sitting. Right, right. Out. War yeah. in the North and a duel with the big tattooed guy and, you know. Stuff's gonna happen. Oh yeah, yeah. What about Fenris the Feared? Yeah, Fenris the Feared. That's right. He goes yeah. through and uh, stabs the the, the dagger through his, his own arm. hand. Who will face me? And Giselle being just the, the, <laughs> not today, maybe tomorrow. Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Okay, <laughs> tomorrow then. Uh, what? Wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I know that there's stuff coming up, but I don't. I don't have any predictions. Sorry. Can I? Can I ask just a quick, yeah. just for quick uh, feelings and thoughts? This there is obviously magic in this, but it is not a defined part of. Right, it's story. not a driver of the story. Yeah. What are your feelings and thoughts on the magic as it exists and as we understand it so far? I love it. I love that it is not a driver of the story. And I don't know what books two or three will hold. Maybe it will become a bigger deal, you know, and clearly Baez can use magic. All of a sudden guys are incinerated, that sort of thing. But but I like that it's not we have to you know, show magic right at this moment yeah. and stuff. It's, it's just kind of there. I like it a lot. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm largely with Ken on that. It, I think the only, have we seen magic more than once? There was the scene when he lit the trees on fire. I, I, maybe there was something else when the witch came to town the first time. Well, yeah, but, she had her magic voice, but. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, um, anyway, yeah, I'm, I'm largely with Ken. I, I like it when magic drives a story, but I also like it when it's just kind of decoration. Yeah. Um, but I will say I did enjoy the idea. So on the road, when Logan is talking to Baez and, you know, they're 
he's quizzing his uh, uh, Baez is quizzing his apprentice. Oh yeah, um, and you know trying to feed him answers. Mm-hmm. And he gets caught cheating. Um, <laughs> but they get into this discussion of of um, knowledge as power, yeah. and so and I like that as an aspect of this magic system. Presumably going forward, the idea that yeah, you know anything can be magic, anything can be powerful. But to tap into that power, you have to know that thing. You have to understand that thing. Um, the study so, of a blade of grass would take a lifetime. Exactly, yeah, right. Yeah. And so, so you know, his his specialty is fire. And so he can do magic. And Logan's like, can't you heal him? And oh, he's yeah. Like, he's like, sorry, man. Told you we specialize. <laughs> yeah. And not ne- Healing has never been my thing. Yeah. <laughs> if I can um, burn it closed, maybe. <laughs> but it's... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So, so I do... We'll see where he goes with this, but the way it had my mind turning as I was listening to that conversation was, um, you know, kind of like, uh, kind of like Glockta's conversation with Giselle saying, um, you know, a, a few months and, and you can have everything. You just have to apply yourself and focus and, mm-hmm. you know, and yeah. want it. Uh, the magic system feels like it may be a similar type of thing where it's like, look, everything has potential has power um any any subject that you can dive into has something to it uh, and i like that concept like in, in real life you know sans magic i like that idea yeah. that there, there's a an old story that um that i remember hearing when i was a kid of a, a woman who was kind of aimless in her life and she wanted something she wanted some purpose and she wanted some focus and um and so she was kind of dejectedly sitting on the ground and you know, the the wise man comes by and says, what are you looking at? This is apparently a true story, by the way. It says, what are you looking at? And she's just looking down at the ground and bricks. And he says, what's a brick? And she goes, I don't know, you know, cement and rock and what. Yeah, but what is a brick? You know, and then she actually devoted the next few years of her life to knowing what a brick is and like Mm -hmm. studied it and became the world's foremost expert on bricks (laughs) and like published books about it and, and all this stuff. And then, uh, uh, you know, she had achieved this renown as it, like, apparently this is a real thing. And you do need people who know about bricks and building yeah. and materials and all that stuff. So this is a legit thing. Um, and it gave her purpose and focus. And then eventually she had another conversation with that same guy. And so they're walking along and looking, talking about bricks under underneath their feet. And he says, what's that? And they looked down and it was an ant crawling across the bricks. And so she... Uh, he says what's an ant and you know and then a few years later she was one of the world's foremost experts on ants you know um that 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 idea that it doesn't matter what the subject is but but focus and perseverance and you know the right amount of luck and intelligence and wit can make anything can give anything power in your life i i like that concept quite a bit so we'll see if uh, the magic system leans into any of that kind of thing but we'll yeah maybe okay we'll see all right well i think that'll that'll do it for today let's call it there this is part one um i expected us to only go for like 40 minutes so that i could make a joke about you know because it's like 40 percent of the book yeah. so we'll yeah. have a much longer episode after part two but yeah we'll see um <laughs> <laughs> so we'll do part two in a couple of weeks here and i am looking forward to it especially after after this discussion um i'm i'm a little bored with part one you know because i do want things to happen uh, but I recognize what we've been talking about. It's all getting set up. So we'll I see actually, how it goes. I actually wrote down as part two was starting a few few pages into part two. I actually wrote down. Now we're getting somewhere. So <laughs> so, so yeah. there you go. Anyway. So, yeah, I, I am looking forward to it now and we'll get there. And for everybody else, enjoy those coming discussions. And please, if you do enjoy this, if this is interesting or fun for you, um, I we appreciate you listening. That is the number one thing we ask of you. Uh, and then number two would be, hey, come hang out on Discord and let's chat about it. There's an amazingly fun and friendly Discord for you to chat about it. You can find the link at thelegendarium.com and you too can join in the conversation on the nicest corner of the internet. But the third thing I would say is if you do enjoy these conversations, please share them. Uh, a podcast that isn't growing is dying and we do want to grow uh, we want to reach new audiences, and it is uh, it is uncouth and awkward 
for me to go to like an Abercrombie subreddit and be like, hey, hey, we're doing we're doing a podcast. Hey, There's everybody come listen. Over here, come listen. It's a, yeah, it's very advertising. I count on you guys to help us out in that regard. If you enjoy that, you know, go to your Facebook groups, go to your Reddit groups, whatever. And uh, I really appreciate the shout outs that we get in those places. We'd really like to get into the French prison system and the Spanish French prison system. <laughs> We've worn out the Swedish the Swedish are getting a yeah. little, they know us too well now. That's right. It's no longer torture in Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh. It now it's just background noise. Uh, would we be a tool in Glockta's belt? You yes. would be. I've got a pair of headphones here for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to listen to these three men talk and blither on for hours. <laughs> on that note, <laughs> thanks everybody, and we'll see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>